0: Order. Questions to the Prime Minister. Mrs Cheryl Murray. Yeah, question, yeah, question number one, please, yeah, Mr Speaker. Prime Minister.
1: Thank, you, uh, thank you, Mr Speaker. This morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today.
0: And Mrs Cheryl Murray. Thank you,
2: Mr. Speaker. In
1: the public interest, will my right honourable friend, the Prime Minister, publish in full all of the Government's European Union exit modelling.
0: Yeah! yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Can I I reassure my Honourable Friend that we have confirmed that when we bring forward the vote on the final deal, we will ensure that Parliament is presented with the appropriate analysis to make an informed decision. Now, with negotiations ongoing, it would not be practical or sensible to set out the details of exactly how the Government will analyse the final deal, but we will set out our assumptions and methodology when we present this analysis to Parliament and the public.
2: Let yeah. me yeah. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I hope the whole House will join me in paying tribute to Patricia Hollis. Baroness Hollis of Higham, who died earlier this week. She was a tireless campaigner for social justice, played a pivotal role in defeating the cuts to tax credits this government was imposing on low-paid workers, and we on this side will miss her dearly. Given the Prime Minister did not once mention Chequers, either in her conference speech or in her statement to Parliament on Monday, does this mean the Chequers plan is now dead?
1: Can I first of all say to the Right Honourable Gentleman that I join him, and I'm sure the whole House joins him, in expressing our sincere condolences to the family of Baroness Hollis. She was an outstanding parliamentarian, and I'm sure members from all sides of the House will remember how she was uh, a dedicated uh, champion for the poorest and most disadvantaged in our society. Uh, He asked me if the Chequers' plan was dead. The answer is no.
2: Jeremy Corbyn! (laughs) Corbyn! Mr. Speaker, that's most interesting because the the International Development Secretary and the Work and Pension Secretary have both refused to say that they back the Chequers plan. Maybe she could share a pizza with them and and see if that can sort it out. Could the Prime Minister confirm the Treasury legal advice given to Cabinet that in the event of no deal the government would still have to pay the EU a divorce bill of £30 billion?
1: Can I say to the Right Honourable Gentleman, we have been very clear throughout the negotiations in relation to the financial settlement that led to the figure of around £39 billion that appeared uh, uh, following the December joint report, that this is a country that honours its legal obligations, and we will do exactly that. But I would also remind members of this House that we have been very clear, very clear, as have the EU, that nothing is agreed until everything is agreed.
2: Corbyn! Last week, Mr Speaker, 63 Conservative MPs wrote to the Chancellor to complain that Treasury forecasts based on Brexit negotiations are too negative. I'm just waiting to write to say that legal advice is too negative as well. In December, the Prime Minister signed an agreement... In December, Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister signed an agreement with the EU which stated, and I quote, In the absence of agreed solutions, the United Kingdom will maintain full alignment with those rules of the internal market and the customs union. Will she confirm that this agreement still stands and that she signed up to it without any time limit?
1: I say to the Right Honourable Gentleman that if he reads the December joint report, he will see very clearly that the (coughs) first way of dealing with the issue of the border in Northern Ireland, between Northern Ireland and Ireland, is through the future relationship. As I said to this House on Monday, we have made good progress um, on the uh, aspects of the future relationship, including uh, a number of aspects uh, uh, based on the plan that we had put forward in July. Uh, We then said that there could be some Northern Ireland specific solutions. Uh, there are already Northern Ireland specific arrangements that take place and that failing that we would look at those UK wide solutions. We were clear then and we are clear now The 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 purpose of the backstop is to bridge the gap between the end of the implementation period and ensuring that the future relationship is in place. And as we have said, I expect the future relationship and intend to work for the future relationship to be in place by the 1st of January, 2021.
2: Jeremy Corbyn. Mr. Speaker, my question was that she signed an agreement that had no time limits attached to it. Does she stand by that or not? Mr. Speaker, (coughs) Mr. So what we don't need we
0: don't need heckling from either side. It's not in keeping with good order and demonstrations of respect from whichever side it hails. Jeremy Corbyn.
2: Speaker, it's very strange the way a member every week hides behind the gallery there in order to shout and hurl abuse. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, the Mr. Speaker, the car industry. Order. Oh, oh I know I say it every week, say it again, the questions will be heard and the answers will be heard. That is the situation. Jeremy Corbyn, Speaker. The car industry is clear that it needs a new customs union in order to secure investment in British manufacturing. Vauxhall recently said they would continue to invest but there are limits. Those limits are customs barriers. Jobs are at risk. Why won't the Prime Minister back a customs union supported not only by labour and trade unions but by businesses and, I suspect, a majority in this House to protect those jobs?
1: Can I say to the right hon. Gentleman what the automotive industry, and indeed other industries such as aerospace have said, is that they want to see frictionless trade across the borders. Frictionless trade across our borders is exactly what lies at the heart Of the free trade deal that is proposed in the government's plan put forward after the Chequers meeting in July. Uh, That's what we are working to deliver for people in this country. We want to deliver a Brexit that delivers on the vote of the British people and that ensures we protect jobs and security. And what would Labour deliver? They're havering around, they think free movement could still continue, that won't deliver on the vote of the British people. They now want a second referendum to go back to the British people and say, oh, we're terribly sorry, we think you got it wrong. There will be no second referendum, the people voted and this government will deliver on it.
2: Mr Speaker, my question was about investment in British industry. Jaguar Land Rover is holding off investment until it knows the terms of a deal, jobs are at risk, and manufacturers and skilled workers have little confidence in this government because it cannot even agree amongst itself. Last week, the Last week, the Public Accounts Committee reported that the Department of Health could not assure us of its plan to safeguard the supply of medicines after the UK has exited the European Union. Does the Prime Minister dispute their assessment?
1: Uh, The Department of Health is working. I think the right hon. Gentleman was talking about the position in relation to a no-deal situation. The Department of Health is working, as are other government departments, to ensure that we have the plans in place, should it be the case that we end up in the position that we have no deal with the European Union. We continue to work for a good deal with the European Union, as I say, a deal that delivers on the Brexit vote, but also a deal that protects jobs and livelihoods, and, crucially, that protects the precious union of the United Kingdom.
0: Uh, the
2: BMA said the NHS is woefully unprepared for this, and this week the pharmaceutical company AstraZeneca has suspended investments in Britain due to lack of clarity over the future. Mr Speaker, the Conservative Party has spent two years arguing with itself instead of negotiating a deal in the public interest. And now, just days before the deadline, they're still bickering amongst themselves. The Prime Minister and her government are too weak and too divided to protect people's jobs, our economy, or ensure there is no hard border in Northern Ireland. So, order. Members are a little overexcitable. Just calm down. Jeremy Corbyn. Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister and her government are clearly too weak and too divided to protect people's jobs or our economy or ensure there is no hard border in Northern Ireland. So the Prime Minister has a choice. She can continue to put the Tory party's interests first or she could listen to unions, businesses and put the interests of the people of Britain first. Which? To be.
1: The Right Honourable Gentleman has spoken in a number of his questions about protecting jobs. I note that he has said nothing about the unemployment figures that came out this week. So let me tell him, let me tell him, let me tell him overall what this government is delivering for the people of this country. Scrapping the Council's borrowing cap so they can build more homes for people. An end to austerity so people's hard work pays off. Freezing fuel duty for a ninth year so there's more money in people's pockets. Unemployment lower than for the last 40 years. Youth unemployment halved under this government. And wages, wages rising faster than they have done for a
0: decade
1: can play politics the Conservatives deliver for the people of this country.
0: There will be more, and it will be from Mr Tim Lawton. <laughs> Thank you Mr Speaker. The Prime Minister is very familiar with my five year campaign to extend civil partnerships to yeah. all couples and my yeah. private yeah. members' yeah. bill having completed yeah. its committee uh, stages. Well, uh, so I welcome her recent announcement that it is now government policy, yeah. albeit yeah. without a timeline. albeit with me having to find out about it by reading the press. So, will she now support amendments to my bill at report stage in nine days' time, as the quickest way to make equal partnerships, equal civil partnerships, a reality for the many thousands who want her to get on with it? Can I say to my hon. Friend that
1: I am pleased that we are actually supporting the proposal that he has put forward in relation to civil partnerships we are working with him on his uh, private member's bill and we will be supporting that I I understand, I understand, I understand there are some small amendments required uh, some amendments required and officials will be discussing those with him.
0: Ian Blackford yeah. Thank you Mr. Speaker it is in all our interests for jobs in particular that the prime Minister comes back from Brussels with the right deal. We will act as a constructive opposition. The enemy, the enemy is behind her. Yesterday, the former Conservative Prime Minister, Sir John Major, said that Brexit would leave the UK a poorer and weaker country. And Previously, another Conservative Party leader told the BBC that people's jobs would be put at risk as a result of Brexit. Does the Prime Minister agree with these
1: statements? As the right hon. Gentleman knows, the plan that we have put forward for our future relationship with the European (coughs) Union is one that protects jobs and livelihoods in this country, but also enables us not just to get that good trading relationship with the European Union, but to get good trading relationships around the rest of the world as well. Blackford, Mr
0: Speaker, people's jobs would be put at risk the words of this Prime Minister in June 2016. Ah. Mr Speaker, no Prime Minister should negotiate a deal that threatens jobs. The Prime Minister must accept responsibility avoid an economic catastrophe. Prime Minister, go to Brussels and act in the interests of all citizens across the UK and negotiate to keep us in the single market and customs union. That will command a majority in the House of Commons. Does the Prime Minister not understand that staying in the single market and the customs union is the only deal that will get through this House? I say to the right hon. Gentleman, as I have
1: explained in this chamber on a number of occasions and will continue to do, the proposal that we have put forward is one that delivers on the referendum vote but also ensures that we protect protect jobs and livelihoods across the United Kingdom. But if the right honourable gentleman is interested in ensuring that the interests of everybody in Scotland are taken into account in the the, uh, negotiations that we undertake, then he should join with us in recognising the importance of leaving the common fisheries policy. Sir
0: Patrick McLaughlin!
2: The vast majority of people in the United Kingdom will wish the Prime Minister very well in the very tricky negotiations that she has to undertake. Something which no other Prime Minister has had to do in our history. Yeah, yeah. Will she ensure that the outcome of these uh, negotiations will ensure that we still continue to get the levels of inward investment that we've attract- attracted in this country, which has seen unemployment fall in the last six years by over one million people?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: My my right hon. Friend is absolutely right, and I thank him for raising this. The inward investment into the UK is important in terms of supporting jobs here in the UK, and what we want to do is ensure that we remain an attractive place for that inward investment. We also want to encourage that inward investment through the deals that we are doing with countries around the world, and free trade deals mean greater choice. They mean lower prices for British consumers and more export opportunities for British businesses and increased investment here in the UK, and that's why our, opp- our uh, leaving the European Union gives us an opportunity to forge even better relationships, even better connections around the rest of the world to encourage that inward investment and to bring yet more jobs here to the UK.
0: Mr Speaker, I'm sure even the Prime Minister's fiercest critics I believe she has a few but even our fiercest critics must be full of admiration for the way she manages her diabetic condition. And holds down such a tough and demanding job. I understand she benefits from a freestyle Libra glucose monitoring system. Wouldn't it be nice if she would do something to make that available to the half million people who are denied that benefit because of NHS rationing? Perhaps we could call it help for the many, not the few.
1: I say to the honourable gentleman, first of all, I thank him for his uh, for his comments. Uh, the free, I do use a freestyle libre. Um, I, it is now available on the National Health Service. It is it is. But I would say to the honourable gentleman, it is not the only means of that continuous glucose monitoring that is available on the NHS, uh, and there are other means that are available. In fact, I saw a, a letter from a young girl yesterday, from a child, who had written in to say she would started on the Freestyle Libre, but then, because of the hypos that she was having, she's actually been moved on to a different glucose uh, monitoring system. So it is not the case that there is only one system that is the right one for everybody. What is important is that those systems are now available on the NHS. NHS.
2: Steve Double. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The government's announcement of a pilot scheme for seasonal agricultural workers has been warmly welcomed by fruit and vegetable farmers in Cornwall and indeed across the country. Yeah. However, this sector is not the only sector that relies heavily on seasonal migrant workers. The tourism and hospitality sector is very concerned that they will be able to continue to access
1: the seasonal workforce they need once we leave the EU. Can the, can the Prime Minister
2: confirm what action the Government is taking to ensure this important sector for our economy continues to be able to access the workforce it will need? And would she consider a, a, a
1: seasonal workers king for the tourism sector? Well, can I say to my honourable friend th- I thank you for highlighting the seasonal workers pilot that we've introduced because the horticultural sector is a particular British success story. Um, that we've seen a significant growth over the last 20 years in soft fruit production, over 130% uh, increase. Uh, we have been clear that we are piloting and looking at this seasonal worker scheme, and we will assess how that has worked. We will obviously be bringing forward the further details of the overall immigration policy that we have uh, that we have proposed, but we will ensure that we are recognising the needs of the British economy.
0: Alex Norris. Thank you, Mr Speaker.
2: Yesterday, Nottingham citizens published their report into hate crime in our schools. This highlighted hate crime as a growing issue, but I was particularly struck by the children's survey's lack of awareness of what actually constitutes a hate crime. We have failed them by not yet properly arming them with the knowledge and skills to thrive in this challenging world. Would the Prime Minister meet with me and a delegation of young people from my city to discuss how to change this? The
1: Honourable Gentleman has raised a very important issue about hate crime. Obviously, we have been taking a number of steps over uh, the the recent years in relation to this issue of hate crime. My my, uh, right hon. Friend, the Home Secretary, has published an updated uh, action plan on this, and I would suggest that the Honourable Gentleman meet and, indeed, with those young people meets with the Home Secretary to discuss how that action plan can help to address the issues that have been raised.
0: Evelyn Hollinrake. Thank you, yeah, Mr yeah. Speaker. Uh, <coughs> our Joint Health and Local Government Select Committee inquiry into the future funding of adult social care recommended a so- social insurance system of the type that has been so successful in Germany. Yeah, yeah. Would the Prime Minister give this solution her fullest consideration, <coughs> which would mean that everyone is protected for the potentially catastrophic costs of care? Can
1: I first of all say to my honourable friend that I would like to thank him and the health and local government select committee for their work on this important issue and it is important that we get social care on a sustainable footing for the future and alleviate the short-term pressures which come on both the social care and the health systems. Um, obviously we have given more money to councils but we will be publishing a green paper uh, later this year setting out proposals for reform. It will look across the board at a number of proposals that have been put forward in this area and will certainly consider those that have been put forward by the committee.
0: Ian C. Lucas. <laughs> Pensioners over 75 face having to find an extra £150.50 every year if current proposals to take away free TV licences come to fruition. Will the Prime Minister take responsibility for this policy? Speak to the BBC and find a solution that doesn't pickpocket pensioners. Yeah. I would say to the Honourable Gentleman, as he knows the arrangements in relation
1: to the free licences uh, changed, was part of the last BBC settlement, uh, the uh, money is being made available to the BBC and they will take decisions about how they operate on
0: this. Mr Simon Hall. Yeah. Thank you, Mr Speaker. It is extraordinary that the party opposite has nothing to say about the good news of the fall in unemployment. Falling by 50000 now the lowest rate in my lifetime. More importantly, I'd suggest that wages are also growing. And that's particularly good news in a constituency like North Dorset, where incomes are below the national average. Does she agree with me that this now means that thousands of families across our country are benefiting from the security of a regular pay packet and our balanced Tory approach to the economy. Yes. Can, I
1: say, can I say to my hon. Friend, he's absolutely right to highlight the excellent news that we've seen in relation to employment. Employment at a near record high, unemployment at its lowest rate since the 1970s, as I said earlier, youth unemployment halved under this Government at a new record low, and real wages rising. And as my honourable friend says, what that means is more people with the security of a job, more people with a regular salary, more people able to support their families. We are only able to ensure that that takes place by having a balanced approach to the economy, and that is the Conservative way.
0: Alistair Carmichael. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The Bedouin community of Cana al in the occupied Palestinian territories, faces imminent demolition <laughs> and is currently being swamped with sewage from the nearby settlement of Kafar Adumin. Just this morning, Israeli forces have tethered and pepper sprayed activists there. Will the Prime Minister make it clear to the Prime Minister of Israel that this is occupied territory, that these are refugees, protected people whose forcible re- removal would be, as the United Nations has stated, constitute a war crime. Yeah.
1: Can I say to uh, the Right Honourable gentleman that my Right Honourable friend, the Minister for the Middle East, met the Israeli ambassador on the eleventh 11th, 11th of October? He made clear the deep concerns that the UK has about Israel's planned demolition of the village of Kanal Ammar. Um, Its demolition would be a major blow for the prospects of a two-state solution uh, with Jerusalem as a shared capital. Uh, And I once again call on the Israeli government not to go ahead with its plan to demolish the village, including including its school, and displace its residents.
0: Mrs Kemi Badanoch. Thank you, Mr Mr. Speaker.
1: My constituent Elliot Peters died earlier this year from hyperammonemia, aged just 14. His parents, Holly and Andy Storey, are understandably devastated. Elliot's condition was not diagnosed early enough. By the time he was placed on dialysis, it was too late. Will the Prime Minister meet with me and Elliot's parents to discuss raising awareness of the condition and adding hyperammonemia testing to A&E departments when a patient presents symptoms? Can I I say to my honourable friend that this is an extremely tragic case and I would like to offer my sincere condolences to Elliot's family and friends I understand that this is a condition that's associated with an inherited metabolic condition, some of which are very rare, and staff aren't always on the lookout for symptoms of such rare conditions. But we are committed to making sure that the NHS always seeks to learn when things go wrong to ensure that such tragic events can be prevented for future parents. And I'm sure that a minister from the Department of Health and Social Care would be very happy to meet with my honourable friend and Elliot's parents to discuss this.
0: Pete yeah. In the face of clear breaches of electoral law where the Vote Leave campaign might just have cheated its way to victory, the police refuse to undertake a criminal investigation because of what they say is political sensitivities. This comes on top of all the issues of unaccounted dark money sustaining the Scottish Conservatives. Does the Prime Minister believe that our electoral laws are fit for purpose and what will she personally do to ensure that That our democracy is defended from those that would seek to circumvent
1: it. Can I say to the Honourable Gentleman that, as he will know, the Electoral Commission is an independent regulator accountable to Parliament and not to the Government. And there's a very important constitutional principle in this country that politicians do not interfere with police investigations and everyone is innocent if and until proven guilty in a court of law. But we will be considering wider implications for government policy. We will review very carefully the Electoral Commission's recent report on digital campaigning, the Information Commissioner's recommendations on the use of data in politics, and, of course, the DCMS Select Committee is conducting the inquiry, and we will look at their recommendations uh, when they can conclude. But as regards the vote uh, in relation to the referendum, I must remind the Honourable Gentleman that 17.4 million people voted to leave the EU on a turnout of three quarters of the electorate, and it, it is up to this parliament, this government, to deliver on that mandate. Alan Mack!
0: Thank you, Mr Speaker. I welcome the government's extra funding for our NHS. (laughs) Can my right honourable friend ensure that some of this new money is used to improve and upgrade NHS technology which can both save more lives and improve patient care.
1: Well, well, can I first of all thank uh, my Honourable Friend for the report on the use of technology in the NHS. We are dedicated to using this new funding to support technology transformation and modernisation. There is capital funding that is being provided to the NHS to upgrade equipment, to construct new buildings, to refurbish existing ones. In the 10-year plan, we want to see the NHS embracing the opportunities of technology so we can not just improve patient care but save more lives and deliver health care more efficiently.
2: Thank you,
1: Mr. Speaker. In Mitcham and Morden, Brexit means that the Wilson Hospital will not reopen after funders pulled out due to economic uncertainty. Goodness knows how many communities are now going to lose their health centres and GP surgeries. We must have missed that Brexit bus. Will the Prime Minister give Mitcham and Morden a people's vote on Brexit so that we can save our hospital, or will she today guarantee the reopening of
0: the Wilson? Yeah, yeah.
1: What can I say to the Honourable Lady? That, uh, as we announced earlier this year, we have asked the NHS to produce a 10 year plan. We will be providing a multi year funding settlement for the NHS, and, and within that, we are able to provide extra money to the NHS as a result of uh, not spe- spending, not sending vast amounts of money to the European Union every year when we leave the European Union. That is an advantage of Brexit. on Howell! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Mr. Yeah, yeah. Speaker.
0: Would the Prime Minister join me in acknowledging the tremendous amount of of hard work from the Tame Remembers project in my constituency. 300 people have travelled 150,000 miles to commemorate all of the 212 who lost their lives in various conflicts.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, I, can I say to my honourable friend, I'm very happy to uh, join with him in commending all those who have undertaken those journeys and ensured that that remembrance continues. It is very important that we are able to recognise the contributions that people have made in conflict.
0: And Jamie Stone! <coughs> here, here. Mr. Speaker, the Prime Minister will be only too well aware that people living in the remote Highlands and Islands are being penalised by extra ad- charges for the delivery of goods and utilities. Indeed, I would say it is a wholly unfair geography tax on my constituents. Yeah, Can I therefore, Mr. Speaker, appeal to the Prime Minister to consider and look favourably upon the proposal that a Royal Commission be set up to look into these extra charges and how they could be eliminated? <laughs>
1: Can I say to the Honourable Gentleman that we have taken the price of uh, parcel surcharges, including for more remote constituencies, seriously. That is why we have set up the Consumer Protection Partnership to look at this very issue and that brings various consumer bodies together from the advice and enforcement world to look at the transparency and accuracy of pricing of delivery charges as well as the level and fairness of charges. But I am sure that the relevant minister from the Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy will be happy to meet the honourable gentleman to discuss this further.
0: Steve Baker. Mr Speaker, could I ask my right honourable friend to impress upon our European friends uh, two points which I hope the House will think reasonable and practical. First, that the EU may not break apart the Union of the United Kingdom and, second, that after we have left the European Union, the EU may not direct how we regulate our economy and govern ourselves.
1: (laughs) I say to, uh, can I say to my uh, honourable friend that, f- that certainly I'm very clear that when we have left the European Union, we will be taking decisions here in the United Kingdom on a, all those issues that previously have been taken, uh, decisions have been taken in the European Union. So we will be taking control of our laws. We'll also take control of our money and take control of our borders. And on the first point he uh, has made, I made it clear earlier this year, have continued to make it clear, and will carry on making it clear that we will not accept any proposals which would effectively break up the United Kingdom.
0: (laughs) Dodds. Given that nothing is agreed until everything is agreed, does the Prime Minister accept that it would be very, very difficult for the House to be asked to confirm uh, a withdrawal agreement which is legally binding without having pretty clear assurances and some precision about the details of the future trading relationship?
1: Yes, can I say to the right Uh, honourable gentleman that I agree, and as I've always said, that at the time when we bring the withdrawal agreement back, the the Package, if you like, back to this House. It's important not only that the people are a- that, uh, members are able to look at the withdrawal agreement, but also have sufficient detail about the future relationship in all its aspects. The trading relationship, which he's referred to, is important, but obviously our future security relationship, both internal security and external security and other issues, are also uh, of importance. And it's also important to me that there is a linkage between that future relationship and the withdrawal agreement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Julian Knight.
0: Yeah.
2: Speaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Not long ago, we had the horror of three pig's heads being left outside a Muslim community centre in Solihull. Then the EDL thugs came to my proud multicultural town and we turned our backs on them. In this light, will the Prime Minister join me in condemning utterly the actions of a Solihull Green councillor as reported in the Birmingham Mail, who has written a guide on how to attract and trick BMP voters, there is no place for pandering to racism, in my town or in our politics.
1: Can I say to my hon. Friend, I absolutely agree with him, there is no place in our society for pandering to racism of any sort, and we should send a very clear message of that from the whole of this House. Can I also say he references uh, what happened at one of his local mosques. And uh, uh, the Home Secretary has been pleased to make extra money available for the security of places of worship because, sadly, we do see places of worship of different faiths all too often being subject to attack. But my Honourable Friend's key point that there is no place for racism in our society is absolutely right.
0: Daniel Rowley. Mr. Speaker, the Work and Pension Select Committee heard evidence that showed that by not having automatic split payments for universal credit, women are being trapped in abusive relationships. Mr Speaker, this absolutely disgusts me. How does it make the Prime Minister feel? Well,
1: can I, can I say to the Honourable Lady that we take the issue of domestic violence and abusive relationships very seriously indeed. <coughs> I think the issue is split payments obviously are available, where that is the right thing to do in relation to, in relation to couples. Now, where that is the right thing to do in relation to couples but I think what needs to be done is that we take a sensitive approach to these cases on that individual basis. We all want to ensure that women who are in abusive relationships are getting the support that they need and we should send a message of clear condemnation of that
0: abuse from across this House. Dr Julian Lewis. Next time shroud-waving EU negotiators claim that a hard border is necessary on the island of Ireland, will she kindly ask them who would actually construct it? The Irish certainly won't, the British certainly won't, so unless the EU army plans to march in and build it, it surely can never happen.
1: (laughs) Can I say to my hon. Friend that we are all working to ensure that there will be no hard border between Northern Ireland and Ireland. That is the clear commitment of the United Kingdom Government, and that was uh, as agreed by the European Union when we uh, signed the December Joint Report.
0: Ben Bradshaw. My constituent Matthew Hedges, a young PhD student, has been held in a jail in the United Arab Emirates for more than five months and was this week charged with spying. Uh, will the Prime Minister ensure her Government makes quite clear to the UAE uh, that Matt was in their country uh, doing academic research and nothing more, and will she also ensure that he receives full consular and legal uh, support, a fair trial, and can return to his wife Danny in England as soon as possible?
1: Yeah. So to the right honourable gentleman, obviously this is a very difficult and distressing time for Mr. Hedges and for his family, um, foreign office su- officials are supporting Mr. Hedges and his family, and have raised the case with the Emiratis at the very at uh, the highest levels. My right honourable friend, the Foreign Secretary, has personally raised this case with his Emirati counterparts. Um, we are in regular contact with the Emiratis regarding Mr. Hedges' uh, health and well-being, and we are continuing to push for consular access to ensure that he is given the support that he needs.
0: John Baron. In welcoming the Japanese Prime Minister's suggestion that we could join the Trans Pacific Partnership when we leave the EU, and in wishing her well in the future negotiations that are upcoming, could she please confirm that our participating, joining and fully participating in the TTP, will not be hindered by the common rule book of the Chequers Agreement and that the whole of the United Kingdom will benefit. Prime well, can I say to my honourable
1: friend I've been pleased to discuss the matter of our potential membership of the TPP with the former Australian Prime Minister and with the Japanese Prime Minister. I'm very pleased that they are, uh, the Australian Government and the Japanese Government are welcoming to us in joining that and one of the issues that we looked at when we put forward our proposals for our future trading relationship with the U- European Union was precisely whether it would uh, mean that we could not join the CPTP and I am happy to reassure my Honourable Friend that we would be able to join the CPTPP with the relationship that we have put forward in the Government's plans.
0: Theresa Pearce
1: My constituent came to see me earlier this year about being sexually harassed at work by a co-worker. Despite many months of meetings with her HR and line management, she being treated like the problem rather than the victim. Could the Prime Minister advise me what I can do to help my constituent return to work and feel safe when her employer is this house? Oh. Prime can I say to the Honourable Lady that it is important that everybody is treated with dignity and respect in their workplace. There is no place for bullying, for sexual harassment or abuse in any workplace and that includes in this Parliament. Yeah. I'm sure we're all very concerned at the report that Dame Laura Cox has brought forward. We have been working on this issue here in this House, and uh, I would particularly commend my right honourable friend, the leader of the House, who has been working tirelessly on this issue to try and change our culture and practices here in this House. I hope that uh, there will be a very serious, a very full uh, response and a proper response to Dame Laura Cox's report. This should worry all of us. And what I want to see is a situation where uh, my honor- the Honourable Lady's constituent is able to ensure that she can come to work in this House, be treated with dignity and respect, and not be subject to bullying, harassment or abuse. Yeah. Uh, Luke
2: Graham... Yeah, Mr. Speaker. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mr Speaker, the UK Agriculture Bill is currently before this House. Wales, England and Northern Ireland are part of it, but due to the SNP, Scotland is excluded and isolated. Will my yeah. right honourable friend commit right dark, this government yeah. to working with all parties to deliver an Agriculture Bill that will guarantee Scotland and my constituents are not left behind? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Can I I say to my hon. Friend he raises a very important point and I am very happy to give him that assurance that that we will work with parties in this House to ensure that Scotland is not left behind and that we have an agricultural bill that actually works for all of us and for all our agricultural sector.
0: Finally for today, Ivan Lewis. The Prime Minister has an admirable sense of duty, so will she be honest about Brexit? There is now only one viable option in the short term which can reconcile the referendum result with the interests of all parts of the United Kingdom, the genuine concerns of many members on all sides about the impact (coughs) of a flawed deal or no deal and our communities, as well as Labour's tests. We should join EFTA and the EEA and seek EU agreement to remain in the customs union for a specified period from the date that we leave, making it clear that on joining the EEA, we will exercise our right to put an emergency brake on free movement of labour. It may not be the perfect option, but our only consideration now should be the national interest. On the Prime Minister. We've, we've got the drift and we're grateful. The Prime Minister. The,
1: the, consider- the only consideration for this government is the national interest. That is why we have put forward a proposal that delivers on the vote of the referendum, that ensures that we leave the European Union on 29 March 2019 that we will no longer send vast sums of money annually to the European Union, that we will take control of our laws, control of our borders, that there will not be the jurisdiction of the European Court of Justice in this country, that free movement will end, but that also protects jobs and livelihoods and protects the union of the United Kingdom. That is in the national interest, and that is what the Government has proposed. Thank you. Order.